Hello, and welcome to another episode of All of Them Witches. I'm your host, Marcus, here to chat yet again about horror movies. So, the one we're going to be tackling today is none other than The Exorcist 3 from 1990. This is a film I've actually seen before, but I remembered basically nothing about it because I'd only seen it once, and also I think I only watched it because people had mentioned it as having one of the scariest jump scares of all time, and so I had wanted to see that. Therefore, I really didn't remember anything. So it's basically like watching it brand new. But before we get into talking about uh, Exorcist 3, I'm just going to mention the movies I watched around this time as well as since the last episode. So, in absolutely not horror content, I watched The Birdcage, which is a quite fun film, even if it is a bit iffy in some regards to the plot. It's still pretty fun to watch today. Also checked out Murder on the Orient Express. This would be the uh, older version, not the... Uh, I think there's like a remake from like 2016 or something. Or, or just like a version of it, obviously. It's not like the movie was the origin, uh, the origin of the story. Didn't really like that, actually. Similarly, with weird reactions that may be counterintuitive to movies, I did not love The Last Picture Show, um, which is supposedly one of the best movies ever. I was just not feeling it. It maybe just doesn't make sense to me because I don't have those, you know, that life. I don't know. Anyway, so those were kind of like two... Uh, struck out on both of those, kind of. Um, both were on the Criterion channel, and I watched them because they were going to go away at the end of May, so that's why I checked them out. And then on Shudder, my other subscription, I went ahead and watched Heathers, which I've seen before and quite enjoy, uh, because there was an episode of uh, with uh, Joe Bob Briggs talking about it, so I'm like, okay, here we go. This is going to be interesting, and I learned stuff from watching that. A lot of things I didn't know about Heather's, so that was cool. Anyway, yeah, and then I watched also The Exorcist 3. Technically, I watched this also on Shudder, but either way, like I said, unlike Heather's, it's basically a brand new movie to me because I don't remember anything about it. The Exorcist 3, though it's called 3, it is meant to be sort of a direct sequel to the original Exorcist film because of um, the story. It starts off, you see a lot of allusions to the first film um the stairway where the priest fell down you know references to the priest who fell out the window and died you know all of that stuff um so it's kind of like the exorcist 2 never happened basically or you should treat it that way but this movie is sort of following different characters following a cop who was involved before and father dyer who was you know sad about father Karras dying in the exorcist one sort of following them as they get involved in some sort of new trouble that's occurring in the area. A serial killer seems to be out there. So it's a very interesting film. I'm not going to say it necessarily works all the way through, but it is notable because it was directed by William Peter Blatty, who actually wrote The Exorcist book. So that is, you know, an unusual thing. Usually they do not, the authors of books do not get to sort of manage their own movie in that respect, like to that high level. So that is a unique twist here. Let's get into talking about the whole story. <laughs> 17 years ago, an extraordinary motion picture 
touched our most profound, nameless fears. Do you dare walk these steps again? Death be not proud, nor canst thou kill me. Satan grows stronger. You believe in possession, Father? He has found a haven. Come to take a little blood from your father. He has taken possession. The boy had been crucified. His web widens. I've just never seen anything like this in 20 years. Inside this cell. The killer drove an ingot under each of his eyes and cut off his head. Inside, a man. Who are you? I am no one. A man we thought had died 17 years ago. He is inside with us! He will never get away! This time you're going to lose. The real terror is back. George C. Scott in William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist 3. All right, so Exorcist 3, as I mentioned, starts sort of with a lot of discussion about or reference to the original film's ending. And sort of our main characters, at least at the beginning, are a cop named Kinderman and Father Dyer, who is, you know, a priest who is sad about the death of you know, his old pal. But the movie starts out really off the wall to start. It's it's really goofy where we're in a church and there's just like wind and it's very strange. And the Jesus Christ uh, statue on the wall or like by the front of the church opens its eyes, which is patently ridiculous. I don't know what they were going for, but that is not spooky. And anyway, it's humorous. And we see sort of these extremely overdramatic things occur and multiple times during the movie, um, which I'm going to say is not what you would expect or desire out of a horror film, I feel. So I believe this is supposed to be 15 years or so after the original film's plot. And we see our main characters, Kinderman and Father Dyer, they establish their relationship by, you know, going out to dinner, talking, seeming very palsy with each other. But unfortunately, they have to talk about sort of this tragic stuff that's going on around them at the time, which is that there was a murder of a child. And the way he was murdered was sort of crucified. But there was also racist iconography going on with the death as well. And, you know, as the movie goes on, we hear more about this and that it's even worse where... I think it ends up being that these people who are murdered are not murdered quickly. It's sort of like they are paralyzed and then tortured. Anyway, we're just sort of seeing little tidbits of these people's lives where, and they kind of don't go together necessarily. There's like cut off this scene in the diner and then we're here at a church in a confessional booth where there is a priest we don't know and a woman in darkness who's on the other side talking about the sins she committed. She sounds very old, you know, talking about like simple little sins. But then she uh, says that she has killed people. 
and starts laughing creepily. And, you know, the priest, of course, is terrified at this point, And he ends up getting killed by her as well. And, you know, then we jump to the hospital where Father Dyer is there now in the hospital. And it's like, why? I guess he just randomly had some sort of health um, symptoms that prompted people to send him to the hospital. So that's where he is, you know, apropos of nothing, kind of. And the hospital seems really dysfunctional. There's like nurses shouting, going in the wrong rooms, all this business. So, of course, Kinderman goes to visit him, gives him a little stuffed penguin, because I guess that's, again, supposed to showcase their long-term friendship where they give each other weird gifts and understand the meaning or whatever about them. Um, but then he's like, okay, I whatever, I'm going to leave now. And as Kinderman leaves the hospital, you see a Jesus Christ statue in, I guess, the hospital, and it has no head. You would think someone would have noticed that. <laughs> but unfortunately, um, you know, as people are investigating the murder of the child and this priest who is in the confessional booth, they realize, okay, there is Prince. We found Prince. But these fingerprints do not match each other. They are different people. Even though the death, the, man, the method of death is like the same. So uh, Kinderman's home, he has a really weird dream that's sort of like in a train station, but also like heaven or something because there's angels everywhere. And including Fabio is there as an angel for some reason. I just started busting up laughing that he was there. But you get, it's not like a quick thing. It's like, show his face. He is there for like multiple seconds staring at the camera. Okay, I guess Fabio was a big deal in 1990. I don't know. I don't remember when his reign was. Unfortunately, this dream must have been some sort of premonition because Father Dyer is murdered in the hospital. And you see this, you go into the hospital and sort of he's covered up uh, with the blanket in the bed. And there are these like eight or so cups uh, to the side of the bed. And I was like, okay, that looks like blood. And so it turns out, yes, it is blood in each of those cups. And supposedly all of the blood in his body and, okay, I don't know how much blood is in a human body, but it seems a little low to me because, like, when you get your blood, uh, when you're doing a blood donation, they take a pint. And it seemed like there was, like, maybe 8 to 12 pints of, of blood there. I don't know how much blood a human body has. It just seems like there should be more. Um, or, like, that somehow even taking a pint of blood from someone seems like too much in that case. Um, but anyway... It's gross, it's creepy, you know, it's creepy because these blood cups are here and there's like no spillage of blood anywhere. They're just all in there. No mistakes were made. So we go to another scene and it's, again, the cop. He's sort of in a different part of the hospital. I think they call it the disturbed ward. Um, but anyway, it's just sort of basically a lot of um, old folks, you know, some people with dementia and whatnot who are just sort of in a room together. And he's talking to some lady there, and it's like, you don't really understand why, particularly at this point, aside from maybe the fact he's just checking out every part of the hospital. But anyway, um, the cop finally reveals when he breaks down in front of different hospital staff or his cop friends, I don't remember, basically that these murders are happening right now are identical to what the Gemini murders were happening years ago, and that these Gemini murders, um, they never revealed all the details to the press. Yet those details are present in these current murders. Of course, that doesn't make sense to him because he believes the Gemini killer was caught. So at this point around here, we get introduced to another priest, Father Morning, 
who sort of just comes out of nowhere and you meet him in his like little room where it suddenly becomes dramatically windy um, and his like little bird dies that he was trying to heal and it's super wind p- kip, uh, picks up. His crucifix on the wall falls down and he starts crying blood, you know, totally normal stuff. Then we cut back to the hospital where police have been checking out stuff in uh, Father Dyer's room and they recognize they make a match with the fingerprints that were on the little blood cups and they match one of the old women in the hospital. At this point, I did not understand that at all, Um, but maybe I should have started to put the pieces together. We get to another scene, the doctor of the hospital, like maybe the lead guy or whatever, uh, running it. We see him rehearsing a speech that he's about to give to Kinderman. And again, I was wondering, why is he doing that? What What's going on here? Didn't really put two, to good, two together yet. But basically, he says that the man in isolation told him that he was a Gemini killer. So, of course, Kinderman is like intrigued and has to go in there. He thinks that the person in the cell is Father Karras. And he does look like him. He's like the same actor. So, yes, I could see why he thinks that, even though he had believed up until now that Father Karras was dead. So it doesn't make sense why he's there, but he clearly looks like him. So he goes in to talk to the guy in the cell, and it swaps between you see Father Karras, but then you see it change into another man, a younger-looking man, um, who's saying he's the Gemini killer. And if you didn't think this was, you know, if this wasn't sci-fi or spooky enough, the man in the cell roars like a lion or demon or something just to prove, you know, things are not normal here in this cell, in this hospital. Something weird is going on. He reveals that the way that the blood was taken out of the body of Father Dyer is that they used a really long catheter and basically squeezed all the blood out of the body into those cups. And that was easy to do, um, even though maybe some blood was still left in the body. It was very gross uh, to think about what he was saying, you know, and the way he said it is very frightening, you know, seems to be enjoying the genius of his, you know, skill, his ideas that he has. Definitely very creepy performance, for sure. So, you know, we're just basically spending a lot of the rest of this movie sort of in the hospital. But, you know, it's the nighttime. No one's really out except for, like, some nurse whose shift is, you know, in a midnight hour shift or whatever. She's there. There's a, you know, a security guard around there. But he's wandering around doing these rounds. He's not sticking with her entirely the whole time. So this woman in the hospital, she hears a noise down the hall. And she doesn't know what it is. Obviously, there shouldn't be really anyone up and about. So she goes to explore. And she goes into her room. And, uh... I guess someone in that room, like the patient who was sleeping, bolts out of bed, like just from upright, like suddenly, like that don't wake daddy toy thing that existed in the 90s, um, just pops up like a jack in the box. And he's like, what are you doing? Why'd you wake me up? And when he pops up, I jolted. I was taken by that jump scare. I don't know that I should have been. It's just like confusing because you... It's like he was behind something. What? Why would the guy be behind something? He's just like on the bed. I don't know what's happening. But anyway, it really spooked me because I didn't expect it, even though I should have. I was kind of thinking this was going to be where the lady walking on the ceiling was because that's the one thing I remember about the movie from watching it before. 
But that was not it. It was just this dude jumping out of bed. So because of that, I actually was not scared at all when the actual supposedly biggest jump scare of all time or whatever happens moments later, which is where she leaves that room. She goes to check out another room. She comes back. And as she's walking away, someone suddenly walks into the frame with these giant uh, hospital scissors, which we know are like a murder weapon because they can, they're big enough to cut off your head. And that person comes, you know, walks in quickly and you don't see her get chopped, but you know, that's what's coming. So yeah, like, unfortunately that scene did nothing for me. I didn't, I didn't even realize really. I was just calming down from the other sequence. So it didn't even hit me. I was just like, oh yeah, of course he's coming. So, oops. <laughs> Even so, I do think those crazy hospital scissors were iconic. They're, as far as I know, are not real giant head cutting off hospital shears. Like that, that is powerful to have scissors that could cut through your head or at least your, you know, your spine. That seems tough. I don't know. Moving on, she's dead, and then the uh, main guy, head of the hospital, is dead too, I believe from suicide rather than murder. Um, but he it's basically because as we speak to the uh, Gemini killer in the cell, basically this hospital man could not handle it. He was trying to, you know, he was working for this cell guy kind of in a way, and he couldn't, you know, tough it out any longer. So it's sort of a long sequence in the cell um, as the cell man or Gemini killer is talking, he reveals, you know, Father Karras is still in this body, but he's not in control of it. So he can see what happens. He knows what I'm doing, uh, but he cannot stop it. And it's, and it's like, well, how is this dude getting out of the cell? Because this seems tough to do. Um, even if he did have the hospital guy on his side, but what is, it turns out to be the case is that this character here is actually sort of possessing the different people in the quote disturbed ward because it's really easy to take control of their minds and is, you know, sort of controlling them to go out of the hospital and to kill. So that explains why each of the different murder scenes has like different fingerprints. It's because these different um, old folks who are going on actually committing the murders. While this is all going on, we know that we see um, a nurse that is dead and that her clothes are all removed. And we see like a shot of like a nurse quickly walking down the halls, like seeing from back. And because of that, you realize, oh shit, another person has just been possessed, took that nurse outfit. So they're going to pretend they're a nurse and they're going to do some damage. So we follow her because Kinderman, I don't know how he knows, I don't remember, but he realizes that this nurse has been possessed and that she's going to go to his house where his family is living, you know, his daughter, his wife, um, his mother-in-law, they're all in this house together. And he's like, oh shit, he's going to get them or the possessed woman nurse is going to get them. So he races down as fast as he can to get to his house before she does. He does not make it in time, but he just walks in to see the nurse sitting there um, at the table. And the family's like, why did you send this nurse? Like, she came to the door and she passed out? So we just sort of set her down at the table. Um, and I was thinking, okay, so she got possessed, but for some reason she got unpossessed. Maybe just to make a statement. 
super, uh, Kinderman. But no. She brought that the giant head-cutting shears with her. And she starts speaking like a man or like the voice of the Gemini killer and pulls it out and starts to attack the family. Fortunately, as far as I can tell, she doesn't she isn't able to actually do any damage because at this moment, the Gemini killer's body is sort of like asleep while he's doing these possessions. And the father mourning, the new father that we sort of ran into randomly in a dramatic sequence, has come into the hospital, has come into this cell and you know basically wakes the gemini killer from his slumber and stops and that stops the possession happening that's going on in kinderman's house so father morning who we really don't know anything about because he's nobody we haven't been following him very much for this movie at all is gonna have the giant face off against the gemini killer here you hear stuff like the gemini killer why he exists is he was when he was being when the gemini killer was being murdered well, not being murdered, when he was getting killed, you know, when he was getting the death penalty at that exact moment, Father Karras fell out of the window and was dying. And apparently the devil or something fused them together at that moment, put the soul into the other soul uh, body. And that apparently explains it. And for these years... The Gemini killer has sort of been bringing back the cells and sort of putting them all together again so that he could wake up and start being evil once again. And it's like, okay, well, thank you for the explanation, but it doesn't really matter um, too much because it would have been fine without an explanation, honestly. I don't really care uh, why it was this way. But either way, they face off. Father Morning, you know, gets very hurt. His skin gets ripped off. And he basically, like, dies, it seems, when Kinderman comes in and sees, like, Priest with his skin off his body. But the Priest does at least get a little bit more in, and when Kinderman is there, the um, Gemini Killer, or the body, in the cell, is temporarily taken back over by Father Karras, at which point he says, you know, kill me while I'm me, while I'm here. And so the cop shoots him and kills him. And that's basically it. So... In the end, there was no exorcism. It was just plain old-fashioned guns <laughs> to kill this possessed man or this possessed body. But I'm not even sure if it was possessed because Karis was technically dead at a point. Either way, who knows? It's an odd movie with some weird visual choices. A lot of silly dramatics uh, flourish, which I would not say is necessary. A lot of it comes across as humorous more than scary. Nothing about this movie is particularly scary, honestly. Um, just, you know, a bit thematically, you know, when you hear about how the people are killed, that's a bit gross and, you know, disturbing, even though we don't really see it at all ever. Uh, it is gross. Either way, I do not think this movie is worth watching unless you're really crazy about The Exorcist, of course, and you can watch all The Exorcist movies. You know, be my guest. Why not? Um, I think it is a unique little piece of the Exorcist lore and lineage. But nothing about it really spoke to me. Certainly not to the degree that the original Exorcist did. I think that's an impossible thing to stand up against. Um, this movie could have easily been some other movie, not The Exorcist. Um, but it was. So... Those are my thoughts on The Exorcist 3. 
if you watch it, you know, share your thoughts with me. Why not? Um, I am around the internet, you know, I'm not, so I'm not like super active on Twitter, but I am there. So you could always, you know, reach out at themwitchespod on Twitter and, you know, let me know what your thoughts were about the movie. Or you could always ask me to check out a different film. I am always open to that. Um, there's lots of horror films I have seen, but there is many, 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 many films I have not seen. You want to be assured that I haven't seen a movie? Probably choose a recent movie. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's a lot of blind spots in my watch history. So, like, I haven't seen many Hammer horror films, for example, at all. Um, I haven't really watched Universal horror movies, um, like the classics. You know, I've never sat down and fully watched them. So there's a lot of movies that... I still need to check out and may check out for this show. Either way, thank you for listening and hope to see you again next time.